Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and today is going to be part two of my uh, Mario Bava series. And I'm going to be touching on three uh, more movies from Mario Bava that I think are very worthy of your viewing pleasure. And uh, not to jump ahead too much, but obviously, as you know, this show is all about the weird, obscure, hard-to-find, little-seen, gems-in-the-rough, maybe not-so-gems-in-the-rough, but still worthy of a watch, uh, Very possibly very influential movies, uh, which I would say that some of Mario Bava's movies fit perfectly into that category of very influ- influential, but maybe not the best movies ever, but very influential in, uh, in the realm of horror. So anyway, I'm just going to uh, do a quick recap on the previous, previous episode. Uh, previous episode, I talked about uh, Mario Bava's Black Sunday, and I talked about Black Sabbath, as well as A Bay of Blood. And uh, Mario Bava is, uh, he was from Italy, he was an Italian film director, has an extensive list of movies, uh, although there is a a nice-sized handful of them that are pretty well-known, while other ones are a little bit more obscure and and haven't been seen nearly as much. And I'm kind of focusing on the more, I, I, I hate to say mainstream, because... His movies aren't mainstream, but movies that you may have heard of sooner than than the other ones that he's done, uh, mainly the horror ones. And there's still a couple that that I really would like to see. In fact, I uh, I have Planet of the Vampires. I should have that movie later this week on Blu-ray, and I'm looking forward to watching that. Uh, supposedly, that one uh, Ridley Scott took some ideas from that movie and put it into his Alien movie. Uh, Mainly the design of the ships and some of the exploration on the planet that they go to in in this Planet of the Vampires is, it's supposedly, it's very easy to tell where Ridley Scott got his ideas from. And I think that's really cool that Mario Bava influenced Sir Ridley Scott. Um, and another one that is not available, I don't believe it's available on Blu-ray right now, but it's called Danger Diabolique, I believe. And that one was on Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I recall seeing it many, many years ago and thinking it was okay, but I, I, I don't remember almost anything about it. And there's been a couple movies on Mystery Science Theater that actually weren't that terrible, but because they ripped the movie so bad, it makes it seem even worse than it is. And who knows? Maybe that was one of them. Or maybe it was deserving of Mystery Science Theater 3000. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to rewatch that one. So uh, those are two that I would like to uh, rewatch or watch for the first time, I guess, uh, in the case of Planet of the Vampires. A couple others that, that I haven't seen yet, I believe that they are available, though, on Blu-ray, is uh, Whip and the Body and Blood and Black Lace, and uh, I'm pretty sure, well, I don't think that, um, uh, let me just check here, yeah, actually, uh, there was a movie called Five Dolls for an August Moon, and uh, that one there is another Jalo movie, uh, Mario Bava directed that one, um, so uh, The Evil Eye, 
Now that one there supposedly is more of a comedy mystery type thing. Uh, but, um, Regardless, uh, he's got a bunch of movies. Let me just tell you that. But again, I'm trying to focus on his more mainstream. Again, I say mainstream. His more his movies that that have more uh, recognition. So I'm going to just get the ball rolling here. And also, I did watch uh, over this past weekend. I actually rewatched uh, a Bay of Blood, which I discussed last episode. And um, I'm not going to lie to you; it does not hold up that good. Um, However, it is extremely influential in the horror world. Uh, the, the kills are quite gruesome, and there's the, the typical nudity, bad acting. It's, it's all of the, the slasher movie staples are there. Uh, it's just kind of dull, and um, it's 85 minutes long, and it feels like it should be more like an hour long. Uh, but it's still, it, it's still, for what it is, it's still very watchable, mainly because... Um, it started the slasher movie, and I give it big props for that. So, anyway, uh, okay, I'm going to get started with the last three, and I'm going to start with, um, and, and all three of these, by the way, I, I highly enjoy. I'm going to start with my least, though, just to get it out of the way, but it's still good. It's just kind of more phoned in Mario Bava instead of the very innovative Mario Bava, and that movie is called Baron Blood, and... Uh, it, it is very watchable. Um, in fact, if it wouldn't be from Mario Bava, I would have I would have said, "Oh, that was a really good Italian horror flick." But because it is from Mario Bava, my expectations are a little bit higher uh, for more originality. And this one here, it it worked on certain levels, uh, but at the same time, it was one of those where when it's done, you're like, "Okay, well, that was good," but eh. Um, I'm going to read the back of the Blu-ray that I have here, and my Blu-ray is another Arrow release. So it's been lovingly restored. It's a three-disc set with a big booklet inside discussing the uh, the making of the movie, um, all that good stuff, and what it was about. And, um, so really cool. Um, back of the uh, DVD Blu-ray here, it says, He sought the ultimate in human agony. Uh, one of horror giant Mario Bava's biggest hits, and it was a big hit. Uh, Mar- Mario or Baron Blood returns to to the all stops out gothic atmosphere and the central theme of a witch's curse that fueled his breakthrough film Black Sunday twelve years earlier. And that therein lies the problem: is it's kind of a not as good version of Black Sunday. Uh, this time, the curse was placed on Baron Otto von Kleist. Austria's legendary murderous Baron Blood, whose corpse is inadvertently revived when an ancient incantation is read out as a joke by a descendant and his girlfriend. Naturally, the Baron decides to carry on where he originally left off, with the help of an entire vault of elaborate torture devices. Um, Joseph Cotton, who was in Citizen Kane and the Third Man, has a whale of a time as the deceptively charming Baron, and is given sterling support from Elke Summer, she was in Lisa and the Devil, which that is a perfect movie for uh, for my show because it is very exploitation. Uh, who is chased through fog shrouded alleyways in one of Baba's most memorably atmospheric set pieces, and uh, I will say that um, that it does. Uh, this movie does have some of Mario Baba's typical. 
cool Italian atmosphere going on. Um, it's just kind of a bigger budgeted recycled version of Black Sunday. Um, and, and it just, it doesn't feel as fresh and original. Um, it's a little bit too long in my opinion. Uh, sometimes these movies, they just, they seem to work better if they are shorter. Whereas if you know, this one here is an, a, about not quite a hundred minutes long and that's, that's starting to push it in my opinion, uh, really starting to push it. So, um, anyway, it's still very, very watchable. In fact, I would definitely put this one over having just watched a Bay of Blood. I would definitely put this one over a Bay of Blood. Um, it has some good makeup effects. It has some, some cool, uh, violent bloodshed, although it's not as, uh, horrific as some of the other stuff that he's done. It's, um, it's a little bit more because he was trying to do a little bit more mainstream with this one. It, it was a little bit more of its time. Um, and therefore a little bit more cheesy, I guess you could say. Um, but you know, what, what movie from Italy from the, uh, early seventies is not cheesy. So, uh, but anyway, it is still very watchable. I believe that this is available on a region a Blu-ray. Although, like I said, I have the region B arrow release, uh, strictly, I mean, not just because of the transfers, but the booklet and the, the beautiful artwork that they did just for this release. I love it. I think it's, it's so cool. Uh, and it has a plethora of extras on it. I haven't really, because the movie itself, I wasn't, I didn't think that this thing was the greatest thing ever. I didn't delve into the special features. Um, but it's still, it's still, you know, it's still a good movie worthy of watching. I also of note is this is another instance kind of like in black Sabbath where the American version is, uh, it was redubbed and it has a different score. And, uh, I would, I gotta tell you, I have no idea what it sounds like. Uh, I, I almost always, always go for the original version that the director intended. Uh, there are times where, where, um, a direct, Actually, there's many times that a director's cut would, will be better, uh, but in this case, it was the producers that wanted to sell it more for an American audience, and I would much rather have the uh, the original Italian version. So, but anyway, this version does have both, so I, I'm sure it would be interesting to hear the different music score for that. I, I do recall this being uh, very much Italian cheesy music and not as cool gothic music like you would find in something like. Black Sunday or even Black Sabbath. So anyway, Baron Blood, worthy of a viewing. I would say check it out. Um, just keep your expectations in check with that one. Next up is uh, another movie that I just watched last week. <clears throat> uh, and I've been waiting for the Region B Blu-ray of this because it has the original version that Mario Bava directed instead of the version that his son Lamberto Bava got a hold of and re-edited to piece it together because this movie was rife with trouble. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And that movie is rabid dogs and rabid dogs. Uh, it, it is kind of a notorious movie, uh, for, for its subject matter. It was made in 1974. And, um, the story, the, the story supposedly goes, um, like this. So Mario Bava is making this movie, and the movie is about um, these 
this these three sleazy scumbag bank robbers that um, are on the go trying to get away from the cops and they just hop into a car and the car has passengers and they've got a hostage already. There's a sick kid in the car and his father and off they go to try and get away. And the movie is, the movie is pretty much shot in not quite, but almost real time, which I think is, is so cool uh, because it does feel like you're just watching things happen over the course of six hours. And I, I really dug that. Um, here's, here's some of the things that, that happened with this movie. Um, the movie wasn't released until 1997. That was 23 years after it was made. Uh, it was seized by the courts, uh, when it was, when the producer went bankrupt in 1974 during the final stages of production. And then it was, it was tied up in whole, the whole legal issues until it was released in 90, 1997. So the film was incomplete uh, when Mario Baba passed away years later. Um, uh, it, it's, it's interesting some of the other things that that this movie that, that took place in this movie. Um, it was so low budget that after two days of shooting, Mario Baba had to fire cinematographer Emilio Variano, and he and he took over the job himself in order to save enough money to complete the film. And it's weird because. I think this is one of his best movies. Uh, granted, almost the entire movie is shot inside of a car, but it, it's just the, the urgency of the movie and the way it was shot, I think, works extremely well. Uh, much better than than Barren Blood and A Bay of Blood. Uh, I think that this works really well. This is a crime drama thing. Again, this is not horror, but this is very much Grindhouse. Uh, I was telling my co-host, Eric Marner, on Movie Freaks that this show, or that this movie... Um, to me, this movie would be something that Quentin Tarantino would have watched and been like, that was so awesome. I want to make something like that. It has a very grindhousey feel to it. And um, uh, I got to tell you, it's, I, I don't want to spoil too much of this movie because there are some twists and turns in this that I thought worked brilliantly. Um, again, it's it's hard for me to talk about them because – Talking about them would ruin it, and it would ruin the entire experience of watching the movie. But I, uh, I very much appreciate that that um, that uh, I don't know that, that he went that he went that route. So uh, I am reading here on IMDb. Uh, often mistakenly, uh, Rabid Dogs is considered an influence on Reservoir Dogs because of how the movie is based around the after effects of a heist. The film wasn't released until five years after Reservoir Dogs. Quentin Tarantino has said that Mario Bava's Black Sabbath influenced Pulp Fiction, however. So that's interesting to me, that Black Sabbath influenced Pulp Fiction. And I would like to ask him why, because um, nothing in Black Sabbath really reminds me of Pulp Fiction. But you know what? That's okay. Um, So in 1996, Lombardo Bava... Uh, that's Mario Bava's son. He got a hold of the movie and he changed the music to it, changed the ending, and then the movie was released as titled "Kidnapped." And "Kidnapped" is, to my to my recollection, the only version available in the United States on Blu-ray. Um, watching Rabid Dogs on Blu-ray, the uh, pic- the picture quality fluctuates constantly, uh, so it's obviously taken from several different sources to get the movie complete. However, I can't see it being any other way. 
Um, I liked the music in it and the ending. If the ending was changed for Kidnapped, I cannot imagine what the point would have been to change it because the ending was brilliant in this one. Brilliant. I loved it. Uh, and I can't imagine anything being different. So um, <clears throat> I still can appreciate the fact that his son got a hold of the movie and, and made it his own. I think that's cool. However, uh, I'm not even sure if I'll ever watch that version, especially if they've changed the ending. I There's not a whole lot of reason to. Uh, this movie is, for its time, it is quite uh, not, not gory or anything, but it's very mean-spirited, extremely mean-spirited. And um, just ugh, um, dirty. And I think that's where it gets that grindhouse feel to it. Is It's just uncomfortable. And uh, just these guys are scumbags. And as, as this car ride continues, things get worse and worse. And the kid's getting sicker and sicker. And uh, you can tell it's probably not going to end well. But you just have to wait and see type of thing. But uh, I refuse to spoil the, the last five, ten minutes because it's, it's, a, it's a grindhouse joy. I thought it was awesome. Um, again, it was interesting just reading that this was such a low-budget movie because I didn't really think about that. Yeah, it is. It, most of these movies are low-budget. But I didn't really think about it at the time when I was watching it. It was just you know a couple actors in a car. But uh, the dialogue keeps you interested and how they're tormenting these other people in the car with verbally abusiveness, verbal abusiveness and even a little bit of, I don't want to say torture, but a little bit of you know physical abuse going on. Um, so I would put Rabbit Dogs in the upper level tier of Mario Bava movies. Uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, be warned, though, it is... It, it can be rough goings here and there as far as the subject matter goes. Um, but uh, it gets a thumbs up. Definitely a thumbs up from me. So anyway, that's Rabid Dogs. I highly recommend you check it out. If there's anybody out there with a region-free Blu-ray player, import the Arrow release. It is a thing of beauty. Again, I love the cover. I love the fact that it's loaded with special features. Three-disc, big booklet included with a, with a Good write-up on uh, on the movie. Uh, just all-around good release, but then what Arrow release is not a good release. So anyway, now on to my, uh, I'm going to say last Mario Bava movie that I'm going to touch on, but I might, if I have time, I might hit on one more. Uh, just because um, it's worthy of mention, although I didn't much care for it. It's still worthy of mention. But I'm going to get into a movie called Beyond the Door Part 2. Now, it has nothing to do with the original Beyond the Door, which was a complete and total exorcist ripoff from Italy. That is very watchable, but um, you know, in that Italian ripoff sort of way. Beyond the Door 2 is actually known as Shock. That was the original title, but to capitalize on Beyond the Door, which did decently, uh, they changed it to Beyond the Door 2. But I... I consider Mario Bava's shock to be shock. I don't consider it to be beyond the door too. So um, this thus far has yet to have a Blu-ray release, which is very, very unfortunate because I would love to see this on Blu-ray. Um, but I have seen it on DVD numerous times and it, I, every time I watch it, I enjoy it. It holds up quite well. This was Mario Bava's last 
movie that he directed before passing away in, I believe, 1980. Uh, it was, it's cool, and I love to hear stuff like this. His son, Lamberto Bava, uh, wrote the screenplay or was one of the screenplay writers. And I think that's so cool that you know father and son are working together on something like this. Um, I love it. And Mar- uh, Lamberto Bava went on to make a you know career for himself uh, in, in the field of Italian horror movies. His, his most notorious... Uh, well-received movie was Demons, and then Demons 2, but mainly Demons, which I love. So, uh, anyway, Beyond the Door Part 2, or better known as Shock. A couple is terrorized in their new house, haunted by the vengeful ghost of the woman's former husband who possesses her young son. Um, And, I mean, that's not really spoiling anything. It's pretty much you know what's going on. But I gotta tell you, there's some great scares in this movie. Uh, the acting is is really good for this type of thing, and um, it it was very very enjoyable, especially after watching stuff like you know a little bit more phoned in stuff like Baron Blood and another one that I'm hoping to at least touch on real quick before we wrap up. Um, uh, it's still still a really good movie. Not my favorite movie from Mario Bava, but still very very well made. And uh, it had a couple of really cool, gory scenes in it, but nothing over the top. I'm not sure if I don't. I wouldn't consider this to be a Jalo movie because it's not the black gloved killer thing, but it kind of is. It, it still has this Jalo feel to it, but more of a ghost story type thing, if that makes sense. Um, I, I got to tell you, it it was a big thumbs up for me. I haven't watched it in a little while, but there is one jump scare in it, and it's so it. Me, I've I've made short films before, and I've been dabbling in video for a long, long, long time now. So I I can see what the in camera tricks are that's that are being used. And there is one little gag in here that really didn't require any special effects at all. It was just it was kind of a jump scare, but they did it differently, and I loved it. And it gets me every single time. It's such a great jump scare, and the way they did it was was brilliant, and um, it's just a, a credit to a great director to come up with something unique and cool like that that really that really makes you tense and like, oh, that was creepy and sets you on edge for the, for the rest of the movie. So uh, as with a lot of times in these movies, I mean, you, a, you have to look at the acting subjectively. This is an Italian production. And there is lots of times it's Italian actors trying to be American, and so that can come off as exactly that. Uh, however, the older these movies get, the more I appreciate that, and the more it adds to the charm of these movies and when they were made. And um, you just—I don't want to say you look past it, but you kind of look past it. But you—I've gotten to the point where I almost embrace those things, and it helps me to enjoy the movies even more. Um, but this one here, having said that, this one here is not like over-the-top crazy bad acting or anything like that. Um, it's just what they're trying to portray. is They're very much trying to portray this as a, an American movie. So anyway, uh, it gets a big thumbs up. I really liked uh, Shock. I would consider Shock to be – it would probably go uh, Black Sunday, Black Sabbath, Shock, and then probably Rabid Dogs. Uh, and again, I haven't watched all of Mario Bava's movies but that's thus far where I'm – that's kind of where I would uh, put these movies. So, And you know what? I have a little bit of time yet, 
So I am going to touch on uh, the uh, the other movie that I wasn't even going to, but I figured, yeah, I'm probably not going to do another Mario Bava episode unless Planet of the Vampires and Whipping the Body and Blood and Black Lace, unless those are just so awesome that I've got to do one more episode. But I'm going to throw this one here in there too. Um, not necessarily because it's a great movie, but because of what happened to the movie uh, upon distribution. And that movie is Lisa and the Devil. This came out in 1973 and um, uh, starring Telly Savalas, of all people. Yay. Uh, surreal goings-ons at a Spanish villa in this poetic horror fairy tale. Uh, which was crassly, and I do mean crassly, re-edited into the House of Exorcism for the U.S. release. I have watched both versions of this movie, and um, Mario Bava was not impressed with the re-edited version, rightly so. Uh, The edited version of it, pretty much they did that to, again, capitalize on The Exorcist. This movie has nothing to do with exorcism or anything like that. So the um, the studio, uh, I guess, went in and um, I'm just reading here. Uh, surprisingly, there was no luck in getting a distributor for the film, even after successfully su- successful screenings at film festivals. Ultimately, in a desperate attempt to get the film into theaters, it was heavily re-edited with newly shot footage involving a priest and a possessed Lisa. It was sold under the new title, House of Exorcism, in an attempt to cash in on The Exorcist. Bava's original film, Lisa and the Devil, wouldn't be seen for nearly a decade. Um, how, you know, that's just a bunch of crap. And And watching it, I mean... House of Exorcism is almost unwatchable because it makes no sense at all. There's no reason for a priest in it. There's no reason for Lisa to be possessed. It jumps back and forth, and it's just this weird, dumb movie. Um, However, the Lisa and the Devil movie is quite watchable. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect, but for a very dreamy, surreal-type horror movie, I enjoyed it. It has one of the most bizarro endings with Kelly Savalas, and I, I'm, still, I'm still trying to understand what exactly they were going for. Uh, it's so out there that I, I can appreciate it. And I'm like, that was, that was okay with, with how they ended it. But um, it's just very, very weird. Uh, I'm going to just read a little bit more stuff here on the movie. Lisa is a tourist in an ancient city. When she gets lost, she finds an old mansion in which... To shelter. Soon she is sucked into a vortex of deception, debauchery, and evil presided over by housekeeper Leandre, and that w- that would be Telly Savalas. Um, and that that does kind of explain the movie. Uh, th- again, there is just so much weirdness in this movie, and there's like mannequins in the movie, and they're creepy. Um, it's not really gory or anything like that, but uh, it's just really bizarre and i mean i granted i understand why they had to re-edit the movie uh because it is in its form lisa and the devil it is a hard sell i would imagine but the other version that they did it's like come on guys just embrace what you made and let it go because that house of exorcism it really dumbs the movie down to the point where even watching the original lisa and the devil it's not quite as good after you see how they butchered it and made it so bad because it is so bad. Um, so is it as good as the other ones that I've talked about? Probably not. No, um, it, I would guess maybe it's on par with uh, a Bay of Blood, 
But uh, I've enjoyed, even Baron Blood, I've enjoyed all those more than this one here. But for those that like really uh, atmospheric uh, Italian horror movies, this one has that in spades. It is very atmospheric, very dreamlike, um, and it's uh, it's not a full-on horror. It's more of a mystery, like you're trying to figure out, is this real, is it not, what's going on? Um, but anyway, I, of course, have the Arrow release, and it has both versions on there. Uh, which I, I'm glad it does. Plethora of extras, cool cover art, all that good stuff. Um, I can't imagine I'm ever going to watch House of Exorcism again, uh, but that, that doesn't matter. It's still available, and uh, I believe that this is available on Netflix, so you should give Lisa and the Devil a watch, especially if you're not gung-ho into horror movies. This one is not overly horrific, but um, it is well shot, and... Uh, it gives you a taste of what Mario Bava was all about. However, he's got definitely better works out there. And I really am looking forward to watching his take on science fiction. I would, I'm, I'm really looking forward to an Italian grindhouse science fiction movie. Because what movie can't be good that's called Planet of the Vampire that's from the early 70s and comes from an Italian director. That just, that's something right up my alley, of course. So, Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for my Mario Bava two-parter. And uh, you never know. There might be a three-parter depending on how the other ones go after I, after I watch a couple more. We'll see. But uh, I'm going to wrap things up now. So you can, of course, get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com. I'd love to hear any comments or questions or anything, uh, suggestions for me to watch or anything like that. Some feedback would be great. And... Also, feel free to uh, check out my sister show, Cinema's, or Cinema Soft Underbelly. That's this show. See, it's early in the morning. And uh, I had a late night last night recording with my sister show. That's Movie Freaks. And uh, you can check us out, Movie Freaks Pod Show, over at YouTube. And uh, we have a great time, Eric and I. And uh, also make sure to tune in to Cinema's uh, Cinema Sidekicks. Uh, Steven and Ty do a great job talking about newer release stuff. It's always fun listening to them and listening to their back and forth. And Eric and I have actually been uh, doing a couple guest spots on their show. And we've got another big one coming up this coming Friday where we're going to talk about Interstellar, uh, which that's going to be a great episode. So please make sure that you uh, head over to Movie Freaks or Cinema Sidekicks uh, after this next weekend to listen to that show. Cause it's going to be a really big show. So anyway, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks again for listening. I'm Eugene Weaver. And until next time.